0: Good evening everyone. Welcome to another episode of Sisters in Scripture. You got your girl Mayor Bear here along with Sister Glow.
1: Hey everybody. Welcome.
0: And the illustrious Lady T. Hey everyone. So tonight we are beginning the first of a three-part series of the story of Gideon. So tonight we're going to be doing Judges chapter six, and then we will follow suit with chapter seven and eight in the next two weeks. So we are going to go ahead and get started and have a prayer in. Father God, we come to you tonight to just thank you for this week and for the oncoming days. May we be of good cheer and character as well as offering an education to our listeners directly and indirectly. Bless us this week coming up and just give us the strength to carry on and just be the great and wonderful Christians that we can be and others ensue. We pray this thing in your holy and precious name. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. (laughs) All right. So this is the time of the judges and this time the Israelites, they were settled in Israel. But they would go through these phases where they would believe in God and be faithful and then they would stray away and they would be influenced by the pagan religions of the people in the countries that lived around them. And they would kind of stray away from God and then God would elect these judges, which were like the leaders of Israel, who would come up and help lead the Israelites out of whatever mess they had gotten themselves into. So this was the time period in the Israelite history. And this is the story in Judges 6 of Gideon and how he got called to be a judge. So it starts when Israelites were swayed away from God and started worshiping pagan gods instead. And God, as a result, allowed them to be oppressed by the Midianites who were one of their neighboring countries. And the Midianites were very mean. They would take all of Israel's crops and they would just ravish it. They would oppress the Israelites. They were just abusive in every sense of the word. So Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. And the reason why he was in there is because he was afraid of the Midianites. He knew that if he was threshing wheat out in the open, that they might find him and take all his goods. So he was hiding out in a wine press and he was threshing wheat when an angel of the Lord came to him and said, God is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon was like, "Mm, if God is with us, then why is all this bad stuff happening to us? What happened to that guy who I heard about? Our ancestors sat there and told us that he did all these miracles and part of the Red Sea and brought him out of Egypt. But now he abandoned us and we're overrun by the Midianites. The angel responded, well, I'm sending you to save Israel and you can use your strength. But Gideon was like, how can I save Israel? My clan is the the weakest and I am the least of my family. And the angel was like, I'll be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites. And Gideon replied, okay. Well, if it's you, send me a sign. I'm going to go, and I'm going to bring you an offering, but don't go away until I come back and bring you an offering. And the Lord was like, okay. So Gideon went. He prepared himself some goat soup and some pita bread, and he brought it back to the angel. And the angel was like, go ahead and put that food on the rock. So Gideon did it. Then the angel touched the food with the tip of his staff and fire flared up from the rock. It consumed the meat. Then the angel just disappeared, just vanished. So Gideon was astounded. Matter of fact, he was like very afraid. He was like, oh Lord, I done saw God's face. I'm gonna die. But the Lord was like, don't be afraid. You won't die. And so Gideon made an altar there and he called it, the Lord is peace. That night, the Lord told Gideon, Tear down your father's altar to Baal and his Asherah pole, because those were things that they used to worship these pagan gods, Baal and Asherah. Well, Gideon was afraid that the townspeople might see him tear down these things, and he was afraid that they would retaliate for tearing down these false idols. So he decided to do it, but he did it at night the townspeople, when they woke up and they saw that their idols were destroyed, they did some research. They found out that it was Gideon. So they went to Gideon's father's house. His father's name was Joash. And they were like, bring Gideon out to us because we're going to kill him because he done tore down our stuff. And Joash, he was a pretty smart guy. So he came out and he was like, oh, he tore down your idol, Bell. Well, you know, Bell is a guy, so... I don't know why you sit here defending Baal when he could just defend himself because he is a god, right? So why don't you let Baal deal with Gideon? The people was like, all right, fine. We'll let Baal deal with him. They nicknamed Gideon Jared Baal, which means let Baal deal with him. So after that, the Midianites and their allies, the Amalekites, the Cellulites, the all kinds of ites, They came, they crossed over into the Jordan River because they were planning to ravish Israel some more. And so they camped in a place in Israel called the Jezreel Valley. That night, the spirit of the Lord came on Gideon and he blew a trumpet and told his family, hey, follow me. Then he sent messages to the rest of the Manasseh tribe and was like, hey guys, uh, come on and follow me. And then he prayed before he actually went and did anything. And he said, Lord, please confirm that it's really you who's telling me to go and try to fight these and try to fight these Midianites. I'm gonna place a wool fleece on the floor. If it is covered in dew by the next morning, but the rest of the floor is dry, then I'll know it's really you. So he did that, Gideon got up and when he saw the wool that was on the floor, it was wet, wet enough that he could wring it out and fill a whole bowl, but the rest of the floor was dry. Then Gideon said, God, if it's really, 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 really you, just send me one more sign. If you really want me to do this, if you really want me to go out, fight these Midianites, then I'm going to leave the wool on the floor again. But this time I want you to leave the wool dry and make the surrounding ground wet with dew. So what happened? The next morning the wool was dry and the surrounding floor was covered with dew. And that is how Gideon knew that he was really caught. So that is the end of the first part of the story of Gideon. Ladies, what do you think?
0: Um, I
1: guess it's
0: really awesome how God can just take A normal person or just anybody who's average and turn them into such a conduit of his power Mm. because in my mind Gideon's little scrawny old thing can't do nothing probably like hides behind I don't know all the wheat and everything and he's just like nope I don't want to be bothered but now he's like rising up becoming a strong young man and a man of God And for Israel, so it's pretty dope to see how much of the Bible, you just have regular, smegular people turning into great people because of God. I will say that.
1: Right. You said that, like, Gideon didn't see himself as a hero. And he was kind of cowering in this wine press. Like, he was afraid. But, yeah, God saw him as a hero because when the angel first came to him, he, he labeled him a mighty warrior. He didn't just say Gideon from the Menesaw tribe or whatever the name of that tribe is. He didn't say Gideon from this half tribe. You're scared and you're cowering. He saw him for what he was, which was a warrior. And a lot of times, well, not a lot of times, every time God sees us for not what we are in the moment, but what we are destined to be, what we're capable of, who we really are on the inside. And it might take like a lot for us to get to that point where we've reached our full potential, but he already sees us as that. And we might not even realize, you know, that we're heroes, that we're doctors, that we're best friends, that we're great children of God. And but God sees us as such already.
2: You know, with the Israelites, how they forgot about God and the things that God has done for them, Mm -hmm. clouded up beliefs and their judgment and their trust in God Mm. so also with that like I felt like that was an influence on Gideon and his faith and believing when he saw the angel that it was truly God and Mm. um most of the time in our lives like when we when God does something for us and then we kind of like you know when we get to a posture where we feel like, oh, we got this now. It's kind of like we give God parts to handle. And then once he delivers us or does something for us, then the rest is, oh, we got this from now, you know? Mm -hmm. And then we'll try every type of option till we run out. Then we want to cry out to God. But the, Mm -hmm. the great thing is that God is always there. You know, he will always respond when we call. So with Gideon being so doubtful to me, lot of people it's kind of like okay i want to see if it's really god it's really god to me it shows that at one point he knew who god was but then now his voice is not so clear because he's lacking the faith that he had before Mm. so that's how i saw with the fleece like you know you always kind of like when god tell you to do something you're like is it really you? Because we really don't want to do it. It's like, is it really you, God? Then let this happen before I do it. But we, most of the time in our hearts, we already know that it is God. It's just that our human being, our self, our self does not want to accept the path that God is choosing us to go to.
1: mm so it sounds like you're saying that because of Gideon's upbringing, you know, the Israelites were in a, a point where they were influenced by pagans and because mm-hmm. of his upbringing, it made him doubt God. Yep. Even though he probably knew it all in his heart. Mm-hmm. And that's applicable to today too, because we are surrounded by so many idols. Like, you know, you turn on the TV and there's celebrities. Celebrities can become an idol. Money can become an idol power can become an idol and we're surrounded by all these idols that a lot of times we lose focus on mm-hmm. who's really in charge and we think that we need money to survive we need this to survive we need that to survive because we've been so conditioned that that's what you need to survive when it's really God so that's interesting I would say I kind of took it a a little bit of, the, of a different way with getting asking for all these signs and wonders I felt like it was a good thing because he was just confirming, is this what you really want? Is this really you? And I think it's a good thing to just confirm that it is God and it's not yourself telling you, okay, you're going to just go and do this, or it's, not your, or it's not, you're not influenced by like your parents or something like that to make sure that the, the voice that you're hearing is actually God's voice, not your own. You know what I mean? So I thought it was kind of good that he was confirming that this was God.
2: I felt like it was overdone, like, to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. I mean,
2: it was burning overdone. up and going it into was flames funny. wasn't
1: enough.
2: <laughs> I mean, if I was God, i will probably be, like, anger, like, what? Didn't I just show you, <laughs> like, <laughs> twice? <laughs> it was a little overdone. <laughs>
0: I, I, I agree. I agree. It, it was definitely overdone. But I will say in his defense, because, and I, I really want to call his father Josh, because it looked like Josh to the me, but
1: whatever.
0: <laughs> um, Josh. Anyway, <laughs> dad is the one who, they're all believing in the idols. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a bad thing, like when, you know, kids only follow what their parents do a lot not to say 100 percent. it has to be because you've seen we've all seen where even a child who is convicted will still feel a certain way even if their family feels a different way but it is kind of rough in his defense because his father fell off the wagon so it's only expected that he probably would fall off too because he's following his dad but yeah the the burning flame with the the meat was great i would have been straight with just the first fleet
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) right right i would have been like all right gotcha
0: (laughs) but i guess three times is a charm and i guess he just needed the extra confirmation and probably it's it's like you saying lady t it's probably his flesh being scared too and needing that extra listen the lord has spoken to you not once not twice but three times it is time to get up gideon do what you need to do gideon and you know that's what he's pushing forward through
1: well what was being asked of him was a big feat I mean he was telling him mm-hmm. hey you're gonna lead." you are no if he Gideon was re- literally a nobody he was from the half tribe of Manasaw. he was I don't even know if I'm saying that name right but he was from that half tribe he was in the smallest clan of that tribe and this is not a guy who was A leader in Israel, he was just like Joe Smo off the street, really on in the wine press. He was Joe Smo, and they're like, "You're going to lead this the the Israelites to defeat this other country that was big and bad at the time." You know, we don't think about that, but that'd be just like if God came to you and said, "Okay, you're going to lead the USA to defeat Russia." You're going to be like, "Huh?" (laughs) You know, you got no more training, no nothing. You know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure Gideon was like, mm-hmm. Okay, wait, you sure? Wait, you sure you sure? You sure you sure you sure
0: That's why he had to do that fleece like twice? Cause he's right. like, Listen, I don't I don't know. I don't you done pick the wrong person. But I'm sure throughout the Bible, many people like even probably little Mary, she was like, uh, Me? You talking me? to me? I'm gonna I'm gonna carry the
1: Messiah.
0: no maybe maybe you mean my sister let me go get her
1: it's easy to kind of see this but can you just imagine being in that situation i'd have been like uh you sure don't general so-and-so don't you think you should be asking him to do i'm nobody you know but god knows what he's doing and and Mm -hmm. and these stories we've learned that In our weakness, it shows his strength. It shows his glory. And so that's why he chose Gideon and not some general so-and-so to lead lead the Israelites into what's ultimately going to be victory. We haven't gotten to that part yet. We're going to get there. But what is ultimately going to be victory. What do you think about the part where the angel told Gideon you're going to kill all the Midianites. There's not going to be none left because a lot of people will, a lot of unbelievers will take little snippets of that out of the Bible and say, hey, look, you see this? The God that you so-called believe in, he is, he he wants genocide to happen. Like he authorizes or demands that people commit genocide. And so he can't be a good God if he does that. What do you guys, say to that especially when you hear in this part of the bible where god is like you're gonna kill all them all of the midianite how how is that how do we you, you know what i'm saying how is that not a bad thing
2: like i said the last time we had similar conversation you can't leave a bad <laughs> one rotten apple in the mix, because then that mm-hmm. rotten apple is gonna create the rest of the rotten apples and regenerate. So I feel like if you're gonna burn something, burn it all completely. Don't leave parts of it. So I don't, I don't see anything bad about it. Don't you? You don't depart evil and then leave half the evil left. That's crazy mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's like, um, oh, let's get rid of uh, our bad habit, but not all of them. That's, yeah, you're not succeeding in anything. You're literally going to either create another habit, forming off of what you left open. <laughs> so you have to, or like, oh, I'm going to just, I'm an alcoholic, but I'm just going to take a little sip, but I'm okay. I'm still clear from being an alcoholic no you you got to clean it clean it out
1: right it's like a fire like if you don't put out the right. whole fire it's just gonna spread again
2: exactly yeah mm. that's my mentality yeah
0: it's it's hard because like if you're uh you know we're all good kind natured people and yes when you think about it for what it's being said you're like oh that's so mean why Why get rid of the, the women and the children or the older people, blah, blah, blah. But completely agree with you, Lady T. You have to, you have to just get rid of it all. It's an all or none. There's no in-between in this regard. And that's why usually with stuff, it's that's how it is. Because like you said, they'll regenerate, they'll come back and then they'll just be back to where they were. So what would be the point?
2: Mm-hmm. And vengeance is the Lord. So whichever way he sees fit, let it be so.
1: Yeah, yeah, so his way was to lead Gideon and this and this scenario was to lead Gideon to defeat them,
2: to use Gideon right. to defeat them. And yeah, think about it, even defeating. When you defeat, you you're supposed to defeat all. You can't defeat part. It's like mm-hmm. winning something, you say, I want part of it, but not all. No, you you either you win or you
0: lose. So Yep. <laughs> you're not going you're not gonna be a five
1: hundred dollar heir. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm so rich with my five hundred dollars. <laughs> the Midianites—they were a—they were a group of people who did a lot of bad things, as mm-hmm. it, as it details in the story. They basically stole everything from the land. They were like consumers, so they were bullies. Yeah, they were bullies. <laughs> they, were <bully. laughs> they just took everything for themselves. They even back then the people who did tend to worship Baal and the and had the astral pose and stuff like they were doing stuff like sacrificing their kids and the fire and very evil things that had that I'm pretty sure God was like I, I cannot have my Israel my children be hurt like this even though the Israelites were had been disobedient and had started chasing Baal and asherah and all those other pagan gods so.
2: and you know with them going through all of that for i, I believe it was what seven years or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. before they cried out to god it's like a a pride thing how long are you going to suffer before you really reach out to the person that you know could solve all your issues
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that's with us you know when we're going through something we always try to find different ways to solve it ourselves then when we run out of options it's like okay then let me go to God when we're supposed to go to him first when it start happening you know we like to torture ourselves (laughs) always thinking we can resolve things because we're our own little gods Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah or like you said it's a it's a pride thing because we don't even want to admit that we're wrong or admit that we need God or admit that we need something or someone bigger than ourselves we don't want to admit that we we want to be like i'm the best i got this in control for whatever reason that human pride making yourself feel like you've got it all under control precedes even asking for
2: help for whatever reason but we mm-hmm. all do that
1: <laughs> even in our personal we lives do because I
2: mean, there, there's <laughs> a scripture that says pride comes before the fall right so mm-hmm. It definitely is the the, the stepping stool to falling down (laughs) Mm -hmm. on your face.
1: So what did you think, Mayor Barry? You mentioned it. You talked about Joash. What did you think (laughs) of Mr. Joash? He was obviously a pagan worshiper since he had the altar and the pole up, I guess, probably in the middle of the town. I don't know, but it was his. They made a point to say that it was his Idols, but yeah, he kind of did a little bit of a heroic thing there, where he pretty much saved Gideon's life. What do you guys think about that?
2: I mean, you don't come for the family, exactly. Ah! It don't don't matter whether wrong or right. Uh, But he was a little riddler because he he found a way to flip it back on them, which was real smart.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. absolutely, like. I don't know what parent, what normal parent, let me say that, I don't know what (laughs) normal parent wouldn't have done that, because I've been the first one, like, well, I mean, you know, if whoever is so bombed, let them deal with him, because he will, and blah, blah, blah. And that's exactly what he did with it. And I mean, you know, he wasn't even tripping. I mean, he's like, oh, he did it? Okay. I mean, because who knows? He probably went ahead with the whole situation, because I guess It doesn't say, but maybe they were being tortured by the Midianites and they thought, well, maybe if they all believed in Baal and Asher, that it would save them. But clearly it didn't because they still were being ravaged. So I don't really know. But
2: he kind of tested their faith to their God. (laughs) Yes. Maybe.
1: Because maybe maybe the Midianites were forcing their beliefs on the Israelites. True, true, no. mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. the reason why Joe Wash had these idols up, not because he believed Joe Wash Correct. probably knew that Baal wasn't gonna do anything because Bell wasn't real, he knew it, he just challenged the people who were challenging him, so it was very smart. But I feel like even that response, he was like, Well, I know Bell isn't real, but these idiots think so, so I'm gonna use it against him.
0: <laughs> <Pretty much. laughs> And it was and you're not coming for
1: my you're not coming for my son. So therefore, here you are. So the threshing wheat part of this is really interesting because if you look it up, what they did in back in those back in those times was they used to separate the grain from like the the waste product of the wheat, by like throwing it up in the air, you would have to do it like out in the open. So you would have to like throw it up in the air. And then the good stuff, the stuff that you want to make your breads and all that kind of stuff like that will fall back down onto either the threshing floor or the plate that you're threshing it on. And then the bad stuff will be swept away. But Gideon, because he was afraid, he was doing this in the wine press. He was doing it basically in an enclosed building where they really just press grapes to make it into wine because he was afraid. I feel like that's symbolic. You know what I mean? Symbolic of a few things. First of all, the threshing weed has always been so symbolic of God removing the bad stuff from us or removing or being able to separate his people from the people who are of the world. So that's always been a thing, but the fact that Gideon was doing it in in, an enclosed place where it wasn't very, he wasn't getting, he wasn't able to separate the good and the bad maybe because he was being so oppressed, which I think can be kind of hard to do. Like when you're under control of a certain peoples or being oppressed or being abused, it's hard to be able to separate good from bad. So, what do you guys think of that? I mean, you you said it
0: all in in what you're saying, which is you know, I mean, he was he was he was scared out of his mind in general because of everything that was going on with the Midianites, so much to the point that he had to do something that was needed for them to be able to eat and so forth, mm-hmm. and enclose areas so that the Midianites wouldn't catch him because I'm pretty sure if they saw him doing it, they're like oh, that's wait right. till so he's finished and then they just come over there and like punch him in the face and take all of his stuff and that way they couldn't see, they wouldn't see and he would be able to have something for you know, his family which mm-hmm. is something that they wouldn't allow to happen because they would ravish them for pretty much everything and then it's also I thought of a point not sure if it ties in but it's also interesting at how sometimes when you do things in clothes, like when you pray in clothes and you pray quietly and secretly, how the Lord will come to you more so than people who are being bolsterous and being outside and doing stuff for like pride and you know, whatever. So that could be sort of a point of him, you know, doing things in clothes and how it came to him that way as well.
1: Mm, that's a good one.
2: Well, I think it was out of fear. So
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: oh yeah you know you know i could be straightforward (laughs) that's good bro bro man, i agree he was was like oh no i am mm -mm. they're not gonna come get me
0: (laughs) absolutely
2: absolutely i agree it was
0: it was out of fear but i'm just saying like sometimes how people do things like in closed i guess more or less like he'll come to you rather than Gotta come to you however he wants to come to you exactly let's not get that let's not get that twisted but i think Mm -hmm. in this regard because gideon was so scared and fearful it made sense for him to come to him in an enclosed place and space because i think he would have received it better because i think he i think homeboy would have like pressed himself into the ground if he had been outside and wouldn't have known nothing because he was that scared
1: Yeah, God does not mind coming to you when you are at the lowest of the low. You should be at the top of the hill. You know what I'm saying? But you are at the bottom of the valley and he'll come and meet you where you are. We all should be at the top of the hill. But a lot of times we're at the valley either because we're afraid or because there's something oppressing us or because there's something that's in control of our lives that is not God. And in this case, the Midianites were in control of Gideon's life and fear was in control of Gideon's life. And I feel like anytime that you have something other than God in control of your life, you're going to be at the bottom of the valley when you really should be at the top of the hill. And it doesn't matter because if you stay f- faithful, God will meet you there and he will bring you up to the top of the hill. He will use his strength in your weakness to get up to the top of the hill. So I think that might be the
2: symbolism. Some of it. But yes, he was afraid. And, so. and <laughs> FYI, like you can never outrun God. It doesn't matter where you, mm. know, you we go. Because, you know, <laughs> he. I think God loves to be in the low of the low with you, you know, because mm-hmm. then he truly will show you who his, he is to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're in the low of the low, or even trying to hide, that's when he likes to come to you because at that moment, you, everything like you, everything is tuned out at that moment because you're so busy trying to hide. And who do you see? God. Think mm-hmm. about it, even Jonah. He went in a, in the whale, <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. You know, he, and he, God still was speaking to him. It, it's like you cannot outrun. Doesn't matter how low, low, low you go, he will, he went. I mean, he would go to hell to get you. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, you can't outrun or hide from God. He sees it all. He knows it all, and he is not afraid to come to whatever corner you are. Mm. that's
1: good. That's really good, <laughs> and it's so true too. So very <laughs> true. So you can't hide from God. You might hide from the world. You might hide from the Midianites, but you can't hide from
2: God, right? That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Nowhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. He tried it though. <laughs> he tried Well, he was mm-hmm. hiding from his enemies, but... <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Gideon named the place where he saw this... Well, first of all, let me ask y'all this. Who do you think this angel was? They didn't give a name, but at some points they were calling him... An angel at some t- at some points they were calling him lord god mm. god in human form jesus what do y'all think you you guys think that this was an angel or do you think this was jesus or i i i think
2: it it i think it's an angel of the lord mm. i don't think it was mm-hmm. him okay um, mm-hmm. I don't think it was him because if it was him, he would have said, "I am the I am," or "I am Lord." You know what I mean? Okay. Like,
1: yeah, yeah. He
2: would put a. He, he's not going to call himself an angel of the Lord. You know what I mean? So I right, think it right, was right. the Lord and not him. <clears throat> okay,
0: I agree. I think if if I feel like when God is coming and it's His presence, you'll know, and He makes His His presence known. Like He comes. Mm-hmm. and he's himself, and he'll, I mean, it's, its you know, mm-hmm. I have my thoughts of what God looks like, and Jesus, and everybody else, and what they would be, and I just feel like there's a, a specific presence that would be there, and it would be noted, and I just think it was an angel of the Lord. I don't think mm-hmm. it was God, All right. it's just All right. of the, lo- it's of the Lord, he's okay. of the Lord, that's of for the sure, but it's from, the the Lord. Lord, but it's from the Lord, but
1: it's, from the Lords, but it's not the Lord. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> all right so Gideon named that place the Lord is peace but yet Israel was still very much in turmoil at the time that he named the altar the Lord as peace and not only that this angel was telling Gideon it's time to suit up for war so why do you think that Gideon named the place the Lord is peace when this angel is clearly saying it's time to get busy with some war it's time to pull up them swords and stop laying on your back and taking it from these Midianites. Why do you think that Gideon named that place, the Lord is peace?
2: Well, I think every, everyone, everyone in their lives should have a a corner of peace. Prayer closet or somewhere where when you go into battle, you still need somewhere to regenerate your, your strength and your faith. And, you know, be able to prepare for war. So I think that was the corner where he felt at most peaceful or Mm -hmm. he felt like he could get some kind of peace. Like you can have chaos around around you, but you will always have a corner where you could go hide or you could, you know, go to that corner where you know that you're safe. So I felt like he tried to, he did name it to give himself a corner where he knows that there is still peace in the midst of the chaos that's going to happen. And he could go there when he wants to feel that peace.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, that's a wonderful point. I was going to say, I think he even did it too for the times to come, maybe as like something to give himself as well as everyone else, something to look forward to where Mm -hmm. they would have peace again. So it would be, Mm. You know, um a
1: reminder of Jesus Christ. Like a
0: reminder mm. yeah, yeah. Or, or a motivator to what they're fighting for. There mm-hmm. we go. A motivator for what they will be fighting for. So at least they can come, like you said, Lady T, have some peace and be of peace, but then to also know that this is what is going to happen in the end. So yeah, you're gonna go to war and battle, but this is what you're gonna get. You're gonna get peace. And peace is something that we all know is priceless and that mm-hmm no one no amount of money or anything can purchase like it's something that you have to acquire through your own doings or i shouldn't even say through your own doings but through the lord so when you have the peace of the lord
1: nothing surpasses that we all know that amen i love that and i even think that just with the angel being in that presence at that place that I think that probably also gave him peace. He was already mm-hmm. in turmoil. He already was mm-hmm. living in fear. And I think just the presence of that angel made him feel peace. So because you know God sent the angel to him in that spot, that's probably why he named it the Lord is Peace because he actually probably for the first time in seven years actually felt peace. So mm-hmm. I think all of that is excellent, excellent. There's there's a lot in this story <laughs> and this is only the first part of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to say one more thing and it's with the genocide versus um what how genocide is different from what God is doing in this situation and I think that a lot of times people try to say oh the you know one of the 10 commandments is thou shall not kill But I think, and and I, and I, you know, I work with soldiers, I work with sailors, I work with people who have been in war, my husband was deployed, he went to Operation Iraqi Freedom as well. So a lot of times, you know, you get patients, or I get um, people who are veterans, who have gone to war, and they're like, feel guilty because they're like I've killed you know I and it's against the Ten Commandments and I feel guilty but there is a difference between murder which is what the actual Mm -hmm. Ten Commandments actually says thou shall not murder and killing which is mentioned here you know killing could be killing an animal to eat it killing could be uh self-defense which is, actually self-defense. What is going on. Mm-hmm. yeah self-defense which is actually what is going on in this story is a self-defense so killing and murder are actually two different
2: things well
1: i guess murder is a type of killing but killing isn't necessarily a type of murder so i think it's the
2: action it's, behind it yeah like the thought the, the thought is. process behind it
1: Right. Yeah. What is the intent? Why is this going mm-hmm. on? Are you, are you killing somebody because you're trying to overpower them and make them bow down to you and make them worship pagan gods like the Midianites were doing? Mm-hmm. Or are you defending your family? Are you defending your your own life? Is it self-defense? It's a difference. So I would say that also is a difference with God and and why mm-hmm. this is not an evil request of god you know yeah all right anyway final thoughts guys
2: (laughs) (laughs) my final thought would be um mm, i would say to i'll relate it to me don't try to be your own god in a time before even you see issues or trouble, call out to God so that he could be there before, you know, the thumb block even is played down. Like we just have to be in consistent prayer every day asking God to lead us and guide us. Like don't try to don't try to do the work of God hmm. when it's not your position to do, which is saving. Um, I
0: guess I would say mine is let peace be your motivator. Ooh, I like that. So, That's
1: good.
0: That so is- a, lot of, a lot of times, you know, the human flesh, regardless, I think a lot of us don't realize that we're drawn to drama and we're drawn to stress and strife and all this other kind of stuff. And as I have gotten older, I realize that even though um, all of that can be entertaining, I don't want it. Personally speaking, I will admit admit that I may watch it from afar on someone else and giggle while eating um, (laughs) snacks and drinking beverages, but I don't want that in my life. So therefore, my motivating factor most days of my life is peace. So let peace be your motivator. You don't need stress and strife and pain and suffering. And if you do have to get down and get funky, like Gideon was about to go do to get that peace. Well, let it be your motivating factor because you're going to get to your peace and that peace that you're going to get through from the Lord is going to be better than anything else that you could ever
1: have in life. Mm, That was amazing. (laughs) I would say my final thought is that God knows you. He knows what your potential is and he sees you not as you are, but how he's intended you to be.
2: And Mm -hmm. even
1: though it might be a time in your life where you feel weak or small or powerless, God sees you as strong. He sees you as someone that he loves, someone that he purposely made for this time and this place, someone who is his child, someone who is the head and not the tail. And I just feel very, confident in God that he sees me as that and I'm glad that he made me for this with all the destiny that he has put in my life that he made me for this time so I'm thankful for that and that's would be my final thought amen
2: that's just beautiful
1: beautiful (laughs) beautiful
2: beautiful. Beautiful, on On that note we could go ahead and pray out Right. Father God, we thank you, oh God, for your mercy, your grace, Lord. We thank you for your love and kindness towards us, Lord God. We thank you for your wisdom, God. We thank you for you always being there for us, Lord, when we call on you, God. And even when we do not, Lord, you're ready to always be there and resolve whatever issues that we may have, God. So thank you, Lord God, even with the story we're getting in, Lord, just learning everything about the, you know, the, the story and the scripture and, you know, his faith and um, just connecting it with our lives, Lord. We just thank you for giving us that open mindset to be able to receive as you um, ask us to always be open, Lord. So we thank you for the wisdom that you've imparted, Lord. We ask that our listeners will be able to take a nugget out of this lord and also apply to their lives lord and god that you also speak to them lord clearly as they listen to this podcast lord and direct whatever they're asking lord just give them the answer through this podcast that's our week lord god our footsteps lord god go before us god um through this week, Lord, prepare the way for us, Lord God, to be able to do your will, Lord, clear the path, Lord God, remove the hand of the enemy upon anything that, that we have to do this week, Lord, that we may be able to have that clear path to be able to do your will, God, give us the strength, give us the boldness, Lord, to be able to move forward this week. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen.